Welcome to Movie Club with John and Becca. I am John. I am Becca. And we are here to talk about something special. Uh, we're doing a, a slightly different kind of episode today. Um, so, Twin Peaks. I uh, originally watched Twin Peaks way back in the 90s. Um, not when it first aired, but a few years after it first aired. And then I watched the movie Firewalk with me. And I was never, like, I've always talked about how good Twin Peaks was, but I was never going to, like, insist on you seeing it mm-hmm. because of how it ends. Yeah. And it wasn't until, this is 2017, it wasn't until, like, last year or whatever that they, you know, announced that Twin Peaks is coming back. 25 years later, after Twin Peaks originally aired for a new season, and I thought, well, they might address the things that happened at the end of the show. <laughs> they can't not. So, I hope they do. Um, so I thought, like, okay, now I will insist the, on showing it to you, because it is really good, but it is, like, I mean, if that's all there ever was, it's incredibly unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, so, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about Twin Peaks the show. So I'm gonna say spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched Twin Peaks and you want to, don't listen to this, because we're not gonna... We're not going to uh, uh, skirt around anything. We're going to talk real openly about everything mm-hmm. that happens. And then um, we're going to take a break and go watch Fire Walk with me and then come back for our thoughts on the movie. So right off the bat, what are your thoughts on Twin Peaks? It was great. Yeah. Like. It... Most, I mean, there were plot lines I didn't care for at all, mm-hmm. but... The tone of it was incredible, and the actors were mostly great, and the music was great. <laughs> yes. And... The music is fantastic. It looked beautiful, and it was crazy. <laughs> and I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. What, uh, what's really funny... So you got me into Gilmore Girls a while ago, mm-hmm. and I don't remember when it was... I don't know if I came to this conclusion myself... Or if, like, someone said it and I realized how true it was. But mm-hmm. watching Gilmore Girls, I was like, holy fuck, this this is just a, a nice version of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Like, it's just a friendlier Twin Peaks where people don't get murdered. Yeah. Um, down to the fact that, like, uh, like some of the same actresses from Twin Peaks are yeah. in Gilmore Girls. An actor. And, oh, yeah. The actor. Ray, Ray Wise. Yeah. Weiss. I don't know how you say his name. I don't either. Wise. Um... But I remember even like when we were watching Gilmore Girls because you—that's like one of your favorite shows yeah. ever. Um, and I've, I've seen it so many times, every yeah. episode so many times. Um, so familiar with it. And it's so like small town, like quaint, charming, quirky people, like all this random shit. 
And I, I remember while we were watching Gilmore Girls thinking uh, and even saying to you, like, like, I'm pretty sure you would love Twin Peaks. Like, yeah. if you like this show, you would like Twin Peaks. Um, and I and going back and watching Twin Peaks for the first time in, I don't know, probably probably 20 years, honestly. Um, is our cat doing something? Yep. You can see his reflection <laughs> up on the stove. Sorry. Um, I mean, we can't do a single podcast without the cats no. interrupting something. Um, but yeah, watching Twin Peaks for like the first time in like 20 years, I was like, holy shit, Gilmore Girls really is like the mirror, like yeah. the doppelganger, if you will, <laughs> oh. Twin Peaks. We Let's just see what you did there. Yeah, we just finished watching it like about a week ago. So mm-hmm. it, like the ending of the show is real fresh in our minds. Let's talk about the ending first. Ending first. <laughs> well, it's the, the freshest thing in my mind. Like, do you think Leo survived that box full of spiders? <laughs> <laughs> so much of the end of that show was insane. Yes. Really insane. Like, they ramped up to a lot of different plots. A lot of different things, which I don't feel was really necessary. It really... Like, Like they really could have whittled it down to a few of the more important things that were happening. Like, the bank vault thing happening in the middle. That And a lot of of the stuff that came up really quickly at the very end that wasn't even, like, a long-running plot line. Yeah. Yeah. She chains herself... Audrey chains herself to that bank vault in the last episode. Yeah. And then it explodes. With Pete inside. With Pete inside. Like, like, a lot of that stuff really came out of the blue. Yeah, it was like the cliffhanger of like twenty different soap operas yeah. all happening at once. And yeah, well, I mean, what makes it worse? Like anyone familiar with Twin Peaks, you know, knows this. Like, what makes it a million times worse is that, like, it's a, it's an insane cliffhanger, like on the best of days, yeah. and there is no resolution, like. Uh, it's just crazy. Um, but I don't even know how I would have felt if there was a third season that came immediately after that was starting to tie up all those loose ends. Yeah. Where there was, I'm trying to think back now. How many different I think plots? only the main plot I gave any shits about same. at all. No, same. Like, you know, I care about the fate of Audrey yeah. and Pete and because Pete. I like those characters, <clears throat> but that whole plot line was really fucking random and stupid, yes. in my opinion. No, what? and it came Completely out of unnecessary, not very dramatic, not, there's, I had nothing invested in anything that was happening there, except that those two characters were standing there. Yeah. Um, and then Leo has a box of spiders. <laughs> spiders. What's, what are Donna and James even doing? Oh, well, James... Oh, okay, now I remember. First of all, James leaves the show. He was gone, like, a couple episodes before the finale. I, mean, he just, I like, didn't even up. notice. God, I know, because fuck so him. Much. Um, I wish he had left sooner. We Okay, here's here's what we'll do. We'll we'll real quick... Let's go through the characters. We probably should start at the beginning and yeah, not the and end. Yeah, not the end. So Twin Peaks <laughs> is a show <laughs> about Laura Palmer's death. And then not. Yeah. But if like if you start watching Twin Peaks, it's 
it's all about Laura Palmer um, for a while. Uh, the show opens with her dead body being discovered. Um, small town in like uh, Washington State. Um, like right up below the border of Canada. It's like just, it's, you know, real Pacific Northwest, real small town. Um, and then an FBI agent comes to town to try and solve the murder. Like, and then the FBI agent's like a real quirky guy. Mm -hmm. And then he meets everybody in town. And everybody in town's a real quirky guy. So let's start, like, just starting off the top of my head with the main characters. We've got uh, Kyle MacLachlan as Dale Cooper, mm -hmm. who's amazing. Yeah. And like, you, and like, you like him now, Kyle yes. MacLachlan. <laughs> I I didn't actively dislike him. I just, my only, um, uh, what's his name? Stephen Lynch. David Lynch. David Lynch. Yes. The only David Lynch thing I had seen before was Blue Velvet. Right. Which just freaked me out so much. It's a horrifying movie. It was, like, I don't even remember details. I really don't remember anything about Kyle MacLachlan's character. But so much about that movie just made me so uncomfortable and unhappy that I was like, I don't want to watch anything with anyone in it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Like, I can't, I just can't handle Dennis Hopper at all anymore. Well, yeah, not, not after like seeing that. Like, I don't really think I saw him in a lot of stuff after that anyway, or after I saw Blue Velvet yeah. when I was in college, not like I saw it when it came out, but. I mean, he's usually like at eleven. Yeah. In, in everything, I mean, he's really he's at eleven. He's way too. He's already so intense, and then watching that movie, it's just like I don't ever want to look at his face again. It's crazy. So I just knew like Cum McLaughlin was in it, and he knew it was uh, David Lynch. I only remember him finding an ear, <laughs> I guess, in a field. I think say. I remember him hiding in a closet. Oh yeah, he was um, hiding in a closet while Dennis Hopper like was being like, like, like super extra crazy, like screaming at Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't want to go anywhere yeah. near this. Understandable. Um, but but him, Comic Lachlan in Twin Peaks is the best part of the show. I was, mm -hmm. I, I think him and uh, was it Michael Ankin yeah. as uh, Harry S. Truman, the sheriff. Yeah. The two of them together really are the best part of the show. Yeah. Um, they are the cutest friends. We were saying like if Twin Peaks was made today, there would be so much like shipping of those two <laughs> characters, so much erotic yeah. fan fiction of the two of them getting together. I'm uh, sure there's plenty of it out there. I, there has to be, but I feel like it would be, you know, it would just be all over Tumblr. Yeah. Um, but uh, got them. We've got, um, well, Andy, the deputy. I love him so much. <laughs> He's From so the second he was on the screen in the first episode, I loved him. Yeah. And he... he was so emotional. He's so emotional and honest. It makes me want to cry thinking about... <laughs> him crying. Thinking about him crying. Not even just him crying, but him telling somebody not to tell anyone else that he was crying. I'm just like, ah, at, I want to hug him. He was at the train car and he was talking to Lucy, oh. the receptionist, and he was like crying to her. And he's oh like, don't God. tell the sheriff I cried. It kills me. Oh, my God. Lucy, He's just so sweet. Oh, yeah. Lucy, the receptionist. Yes. I love her. Uh, she's fantastic. She's great. Uh, Hawk, the Native American. I have tears American. in my eyes. I'm <laughs> thinking Andy about crying. Andy. Hawk was great. Hawk is great, too. Um, I feel like they managed to, like, like just 
ride the line of like not being offensive with like a Native American stereotype. Like he was a little bit stereotypical. Yeah. But like they still made him a character. He had he wasn't things just, like, defining him other than being Native the Native Indian. American stuff. Although he was like wearing a little feather earring and he was the tracker. So there definitely were some stereotypes going on. There was some that perps- was a little disappointing to see at first, but like he comes into having his own personality going on that yeah. has nothing to do with his race. And there wasn't there there is a line at one point where uh Luke's sister from Gilmore Girls <laughs> yeah. as as Lucy's sister on Twin Peaks um comes in and and she says something like pretty offensive about yeah. him being a Native American and then Which is I I don't remember perfectly, but I think it's the only time anyone ever really addresses it. Yeah. They mention him being a tracker at one point, but it's not yeah. even really like called out yeah but he says something along the lines of just like it's okay you're white like he's he was like it's (laughs) she says something like you must hate white people for what we've done to you or whatever and he was like it's okay i have plenty of white friends yeah (laughs) like that's a pretty good joke for 1991 yeah (laughs) um all right so that's the that's like the sheriff's department then there's uh let's see the double r we've Mm -hmm. got uh norma yeah, Norma Who's is one of the best characters. Great. Yeah. Which I never really thought about, I think, when I watched it as a kid, but mm-hmm. like as an adult watching it, she's like one of the only grounded, yeah, like sensible characters on the show. Her and Ed, I just Ugh. wanted them to be happy. I know, me too. I just wanted them to be happy. Her and Ed, I love Ed. So yeah, Norma runs the diner. Shelly works at the diner. Uh,. Shelly's got a lot of issues. Yeah, I went back and forth on her. Yeah. She just, like, because you're rooting for her. At first. At first, but then she just keeps making dumb decisions. Yeah, well, yeah, well, she gets hooked up with... Bobby. Bobby, who is, I guess, a high school student and a piece of shit. So, okay, (laughs) Shelly's married to Leo. Yeah. Leo Johnson, who's an absolute piece of shit, like, wife beater... Uh, drug dealer, curly ponytail, yeah. like the grossest so like kind. Slick, slicked back and then curly yeah. ponytail situation. Um, Not a great actor. No. <laughs> a pretty bad actor. <laughs> um, but still like, you know, kind of terrifying uh, when he's being mean. So they have like an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, let's get, let's get into these fucking high schoolers. There, yeah. I was going to say, if we stop and talk about every character in this town, there's, we're going to be here all day. Uh, Why? Well, yeah. But there's <laughs> that's the whole point of Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's not about Laura that's Palmer's true. death. It's about the town and the characters. Um, okay. Laura Palmer is dead. Her best friend, Donna. Yes. Her boyfriend, James. Yes. No, her secret boyfriend, James. Oh, that's right. I always forget about that. Her and boyfriend then her was Bobby. boyfriend, Bobby. Yeah. So the three of them... Fuck these kids. Not the three of who? Uh, 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 James, Donna, and Bobby. Yes. Like, Bobby... Oh, I thought you meant literally. What? Oh, no, no. Like, three people are fucking them literally. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, they all they are all fucking each other. They are, yeah. I asked like... you that question pretty early on. Like, is everyone <laughs> in town secretly fucking each other? Oh, yeah. And you, I think you just said yes. Yeah, like at the, it was like at the end of it was like halfway through the pilot. You're like, who is not sleeping together? I'm like, yeah. no one. Everyone is having an affair. Yeah, <laughs> like sleeping around. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because okay, 
Laura was dating Bobby, but having an mm-hmm. affair with James. Then Donna starts dating James yeah. after Laura dies, but and Bobby was cheating on Laura with Shelly, who's cheating on her husband, Leo, with Bobby. Yes. Norma, is ha- or, or Ed, is having an affair with Norma. Yeah. Well, Norma is still married, oh, so she is, she is married. technically having an affair, even though her husband's in, in jail. jail. Yep. And they talk pretty early on about they have these plans to leave their spouses, spouses for each that other. go wrong in various constantly, ways. Constantly throughout the show. Yeah. Okay, the hi- yeah, Even the though school. they're just goddamn grown-up adult people. I know, the whole like, time, I just kept thinking, In their like, 40s, 50s? Yeah. I don't know, Ed looks a lot older than her. Yeah. At some point, it's like, you could just leave if At you want. Point, okay, You Ed, could be a grandfather. Ed's wife is Nadine, the yeah. woman with the eye patch, yeah. who is... Insane and amazing most of the time. Yeah. And at one point, she says she's 35. And yes. we were like, that's all? Like, yeah. I thought it was more like 53. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, they, no that's offense to those possible. characters or actors, but they look so much older than 35. I, I need to look her up and do the math. There's See, no I, possible I would, way she could be 35. Yeah. I would feel super bad if she was actually 35. She's, she's not going to listen to this podcast. It's true. She's not. Um, Nadine is crazy. Yes. Like, I, I feel like even at the beginning of the show, she's like, uh, like um, so mentally unstable, she probably should be institutionalized. Yeah. Like, even before she she's, actually goes really crazy. Yeah. She's incredibly <laughs> obsessive about, the drape about various things, yeah. about Ed in general and about the drape runners, which I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's because nothing. Because this is 2017. Oh. I don't think we have those anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't fucking know. Um, is it just that thing you pull on curtains to make them open and yeah, close? Yeah, it's, like it's just like a system. Okay. Like a pulley type system. She was very concerned that her drape runners made noise. Were too loud, yeah. She wanted to make silent drape runners. Which was like another one of the kind of... For some reason, that was one of the things that stuck out to me the most when I remember Twin Peaks. Like, I vividly remembered Nadine... And her cotton balls and oil and drape runners <laughs> and being obsessed with the silent drape runners. Because it's just so fucking weird. And, <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with anything else going on in the yeah. show. And it even comes back at the end. When she, like, yeah. re- like spoiler alert, whatever. Nadine gets amnesia. Not amnesia. Amnesia? Yeah, she's she gets amnesia. She, she thinks she's in high school she again. She has at one like point. that fifty first dates kind of amnesia where she's she gets a gone concussion. back in time. Yeah, she like gets hit on the head and then or no, she goes into a coma. Yeah, <laughs> I keep fucking forget. Why too much did shit. that happen? She tried to kill herself. Oh shit! Yeah, like it's it's really depressing. Oh yeah, but like she tried to kill herself and then went into a coma and then woke up and like had superhuman strength and thought she was in high school. The superhuman strength they never explain. Nope. Never. And that was very upsetting to me. And then, like, and then she gets hit on the head at or the just end. just made no goddamn and sense. And it also didn't serve any plot in any way other than she beats up Norma's husband. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Hank. Hank. She beats up Hank at some point, which didn't need to happen, so I still don't understand. I, yeah. That, I, we'll get into the second half of season two Ooh. in a moment. <laughs> um, Donna, James, Bobby, three mm-hmm. high schoolers are, for the most part, insufferable. Yes. Like, Bobby, if I had to take any of them, I'd take Bobby. Yeah, same here. Like, he's a piece of shit, but he's entertaining. Yeah. He he is entertaining. He's got a lot more stuff going on. 
because he starts getting involved with other characters we haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah. Um, the horns. Uh, his dad's interesting. His dad is super interesting. Really interesting. And I don't like the one thing that really won me over with Bobby was when he had that heart to heart with his dad mm-hmm. in the diner and actually took it seriously. Yeah, it was like an and actual they, character. Like, had moment. a really nice moment, and then he he went home and had this really nice moment with his mom after his dad disappeared. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, not every character is completely one sided. Yeah. It's like some yeah. of them are capable of feeling sincere emotions. Like you think he's just a really shitty, like yeah. angsty teenager, and it it, just, it stands out a lot from. I'm not saying every character is one sided, yeah. but I am saying most of the teenagers were very one sided oh and one note, and they only had one fucking thing going on oh the my entire god. time through both seasons. I forgot how much I hated James and Donna. Oh my god, they are the worst. They're they're horrible. <laughs> I'm not even mentally prepared to talk about James. <laughs> James in and the Donna. second season. Oh my god! In the first season, it makes a lot of sense the kind of stuff that they go through because it's all about like Laura's death. Yeah. Yeah. And they fall for each other. Donna at least feels very guilty about it. Mm-hmm. She has these talks with her parents about it. Like that all feels very real. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It felt real as like a real teenager. Yeah, it felt real as like this would def like this. These are emotions people would experience. Yeah, um, they do a lot of uh, kind of shady trying to figure out the murderer themselves stuff, which is stupid of them. I don't know if it's unrealistic or not. But yeah, like it also Teenagers still like made kind of sense yeah. in the world of the show. Yeah. And also, and like, and then there's Maddie, who is Laura's cousin, mm-hmm. played by the same actress who plays Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. So it's just Laura Palmer in a wig, um, comes to town uh, to help her her her, her uncle and aunt yeah. that we have not gotten into yet. Well, we haven't gotten into Audrey yet. She's oh yeah, a high school. Student. Oh right. I always forget that Audrey's a high school student because well, here's the other <laughs> thing about the high school students: they stop going to high school immediately. Yeah. <laughs> They're in high school like the first couple episodes. You see Nadine in high school more than you see those teenagers. <laughs> you in high seriously school. do. You see the thirty-five-year-old woman with amnesia and an eye patch <laughs> in high school one thousand percent more than the actual quote teenagers. Um. Okay. Audrey. Mm-hmm. I love Audrey. I think she's awesome. I hated her at first. Yeah. For a while. Um, but then I really liked her. She... Because I just... She always was scheming. And yeah. I didn't know why. So I think at first I thought she was doing something sinister. And that she would be involved. She does seem in pretty Palmer, sinister. In Laura Palmer. 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 Okay. Yes, I know. <laughs> Yes, I know. I'm not going to try anymore because that was okay. embarrassing. Um, um, she seemed like she had something to do with the murder because mm. of how much she was trying to be involved. Interesting. And, uh, it, well, like, coming into it, I'm just like, why the fuck does she... Like, you can tell right off the bat that she was not friends with Laura. Yeah. That she was not sad about the death. Yeah. But she... Oh, yeah, she's super weird at first. She's, like, she really wants to be involved in whatever Donna's doing. Yeah. And... So at first, to me, that seemed really suspicious, and then eventually I realized she was just, like, bored 
and way too smart for this town. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, she's going to ingratiate herself in this investigation. What else is she going to do? That's a great way to put it. She is, like, way too smart for the town. Like, oh, by so much. Like, she, she's... She's, like, by- outsmarting her dad at the oh end. Oh my god, yeah. By the end of the show, she seems to be like one of the only capable humans yeah. living in this town. Like, to the point where, yeah, you're just like, you should Just like running a, a huge she's business. Like running, she's like 18, she's running yeah. a hotel. <laughs> oh, and then, okay, so then Ben Ben and Jerry Horn, mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ben's kind of a piece of shit. He's definitely a piece of shit. He's definitely a piece of shit, but he's very charismatic. Yeah. And like, has enough like weird quirks about him like i love the scene where jerry comes in jerry's his brother he comes in with those like hoagies and they're yeah. just like they're just like eating these sandwiches and they're both just going like mm. <laughs> and it is weird as fuck but it's just funny but yeah yeah and i remember telling you when we were watching it i was really happy to see a pair of brothers in something that weren't like at each other's throats or trying to undermine each other yeah because that was what i was expecting seeing their relationship is like, oh, Jerry's going to be a foil for Ben, and oh. Jerry's going to try to fuck Ben over. But no, they're like they just super buddies. Yeah. They really take care of each other, even when they're, you know, fucking up, and mm-hmm. one of them has to try to cover for the other, which by that I pretty much just mean Ben, or Jerry is always trying to <laughs> help his brother out. Um, but... Yeah, they really are pals, and yeah. they really take care of each other. They've got a great relationship, which I enjoyed seeing that dynamic. It is like it wasn't until you mentioned that where I where I thought like you don't often see that. Yeah. Like usually when you see like siblings in TV or movies, they're usually like at odds. Yeah, you think they're gonna at least have a perceived competition with each other. Yeah. Um. So that was cool. Then Laura's parents. Yes. Holy shit. Sarah and Leland um, are crazy. That was the other one of the yeah. things I remembered, like, going into the show. Once Sarah Palmer started, like, flipping out, yeah. like, right at the beginning, I just remember, like, oh, I I remember her parents being insane. Yeah. Like, just flipping their lids all the time. A lot of that was really, really painful to watch. Yeah, it is. It's really like, uncomfortable. They are very good actors, the both of them. And it feels, like, so real, real, and especially, I don't know the actress's name, but Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she's just, she has so much raw emotion sobbing about her daughter's death. Yeah, so it's rough. often. A lot. Like, it's it like the whole first season. It made my stomach hurt. Like, yeah. I couldn't take a lot of that. Yeah, the first... It was really painful to watch. The first season's only eight episodes long, which is crazy for yeah. how, like, iconic it is. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, the whole first season. And that was the other thing. Like, at one point in the second season, like, right around the time they started, they actually solved her death. Mm-hmm. It had only been, like, two weeks since yeah. she died. And it's just, like, it feels like it's been a year. Because yeah. so much shit has happened. But it's only been, like, it feels like an episode a day, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah the whole first season is, is like, Sarah Palmer sobbing yeah. <laughs> hysterically. And Leland going crazy and yeah. dancing and singing by himself. Um, and then, okay, I... He was very scary and disturbing in a way that I now am equating to Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's, I feel like there's definite parallels between those two characters. I feel like that probably covers most of it. There's Log Lady, but she's pretty, 
you know. Yeah. I mean, she's just a log lady. <laughs> she talks to just a log. Just a log lady. Just a log lady. She talks to a log. There's the French Canadian guys. Oh, the the Renaults. Yeah, I guess Jacques they're not. John and they're not townies. And yeah, they die eventually. Anyway, yeah, so. they're like foils. Yeah. Um, there's Hank, Norma's husband, who's yeah. a piece of shit. Oh, oh God, I hated wait, them so much. We didn't talk about the Packards, Pete and Catherine. Oh yeah, and, who are amazing. And Josie. 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 I hate Josie. Oh, I liked her. I liked her in the beginning, but they really completely changed her character. Yeah. Pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah. Like she starts off. Strong. That definitely felt like a last-minute decision. It's like so that annoying. wasn't something they were ever intending from the start. No. It, like I'm trying to remember when she turns, but she starts off very like I feel like she starts off in the pilot as like a pretty strong character because yeah. she's like this quiet, reserved Asian woman, and then there's Catherine, like the the bossy, loud, mm-hmm. uh, like American, and like they're butting heads. Yeah. Um, and Josie's, like, trying to stand up to Catherine by, like, making the decisions because she owns the mill. Yeah. Um, but then, like, God, I don't know when it is, but just at a certain point, she just becomes, like, this little soft-spoken, like, kitten who, like, is helpless. That's how I, I mean. Yeah. Well, because, like. All people are trying to kill her. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, they introduce that whole thing where, like, she starts off in charge of the mill. Yeah. And you think, like, she's in charge but of the I mean, mill. she... She was even still pretty meek and soft-spoken then. Yeah. Like, she would definitely shrink under the presence of Catherine. Yeah. Um, But it was still a really interesting dynamic to see. Yeah. Like, you know, any amount of defiance was a huge amount of defiance in the eyes of Catherine. Mm -hmm. And I think... That was the only thing that really saved Josie for me at any point, you know, towards the end when all that other <laughs> plot comes out where I don't, like, I barely even followed that stuff and I didn't even try it to follow it sense. that well. Because Josie's introduced as this character who had married Catherine's brother mm-hmm. um, and then who owned the mill and then yeah. he died, so she inherits the mill. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's this whole contentious relationship where, like, Catherine thinks she should be in charge of it because her, mm-hmm. you know, her family owned it, but Josie technically is in charge of it because of uh, marriage yeah. and death and all that. And that, I think, is an interesting enough plot. Right. But then they decide that Josie was like a contracted killer <laughs> and had previously been a prostitute or something and was hired to kill Andrew, the brother. Who then turns out to who not... Who then turns like, out to still be alive death. and was just hanging out in the other room the entire the whole time. time. Like, none of that made any fucking sense. And also, sense. he's about 100 years old. Right. I was... Yeah. It, none of that made any goddamn sense. And he was, like, British. Yeah. None of that made any sense. But I love Pete. I, I love Pete. I'm so sad that that actor is dead. I did not realize until I looked him up how long he'd been dead either. Yeah. Like, he died shortly after Twin Peaks. Yeah. He was pretty young. He Um, was great. He was so adorable. Oh, I love Pete. Every single one of his, like, reaction lines is the best. (laughs) He was great. Like, I remember when, in season two, when this whole plot comes out with the chess, 
and they need someone that's a chess expert. Oh, yeah. And then they show that they were just talking about, like, the this guy in town that's, like, the best at chess and whatever. And then it turns out it's Pete. And I just remember, like, cheering, like, yay! More Pete stuff! <laughs> More Pete! Yay, it's Pete! Um, oh, then there's a... Oh, what's his name? Well, it's Miguel Ferrer. But uh, oh, I can't yeah. remember what his, what his... Oh, my God. What's his character's name? He's the FBI guy who gets brought uh, in to, like, kind of help out with the I probably would have remembered it if he had autopsy. just said his real name. I know. Uh, he's amazing, though. He's great. He's, like, he's not even, like, a main character, but he fucking steals almost every scene he shows up in. Um, especially that one scene where, like, after, uh, Truman, Harry Truman had punched him. Yeah. And then he goes off, like, he has this monologue about how he believes in love. (laughs) He tells Harry that he loves him. And then just, like, hugs him and then leaves. the, the whole reason he does his job at all is... Love. Love, yeah. It's like to, it's to, to put bad people away and help good people. It's amazing. And he's such like a cynical dick. <laughs> oh, man. And we didn't talk about Richard Tremaine. Oh, my God. That, I, like, see that whole plot I kind of didn't like. I mean, it was kind of funny. Okay, so the show starts off the whole first season and, like, the first half of the second season. Albert Rosenfeld. Albert, yes. Albert, that's his name. Um, David Lynch is in the show himself as fucking Cal uh, McLaughlin's boss, who has a I, hearing problem and just shouts the entire time. I could not stand that character until the second season when he falls <laughs> for Shelley, and then it was just like so sweet and it was weird. Amazing. He's oh, he's I like watching David Lynch be in Twin Peaks. I feel like is just David Lynch. <laughs> like it feels to me like that's just who he is as a person. Maybe without the like shouting. being that character? Like, don't you feel like that's how David Lynch talks? <laughs> I don't know how he... What, oh, the screaming or just Not the screaming, just like in general. his weird, like, yeah, the weird shit that he would say. Gordon. Gordon. Gordon, Gordon Cole. Cole. Um, so, the first third of Twin Peaks, because Twin Peaks ran... And he's 71. Jesus Christ. The first third of Twin Peaks... Twin Peaks ran from 1990 to 91, which is crazy that this show was on network I television. I was four to five years old. Yeah. I was like six. Mm-hmm. This, like, this show is so fucking ahead of its time. It's unbelievable. Um, and it's crazy what they got away with on network TV. Yeah. Um, but the whole like first third of the, uh, like two thirds of the show is about Laura Palmer's murder. Um, the, if you don't know what happened behind the scenes with it is that David Lynch and Mark Frost, who are the two guys that created the show and wrote it and directed it and all that kind of stuff, um, never intended to solve Laura Palmer's murder. They used Laura Palmer's murder as like the, the starting off point for this show that they wanted to make where they were like poking fun at soap operas and exploring like the dark seedy underbelly of like Americana Mm -hmm. uh, and like small town life and that kind of thing. And they just wanted to make this show, populate it with, like, a bunch of, like, quirky characters, start it with this plot, but then just have the show be about the town. Yeah. The problem was that it was a huge thing in 1990 when it was on TV, and everybody wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer, including yeah. um, Gorbachev and <laughs> George Bush Sr. 
apparently one of the pieces of trivia I read was Gorbachev uh, called George Bush, who then called like someone he knew at CBS, who then called <laughs> David Lynch to ask who killed Laura Palmer. <laughs> Did which, he have an answer? I, no, I don't think. Oh, I think he. I think they knew all the time who killed mm-hmm. her. They just never wanted to reveal. They it. They didn't want to reveal it because I mean because they thought it would kill the show. Yeah, and rightly so. Yep, it did. So that's what happens. Halfway through the second season, the network pressured them to reveal the killer because they're like, people are going to stop watching the show if you're not going to solve this fucking murder. So they had created differences, Mark Frost and David Lynch. Mm-hmm. They finally revealed who killed Laura Palmer. Spoiler alert. It was her dad mm-hmm. being possessed by the spirit of Bob, which is a whole other thing we haven't fucking gotten into. Um, then David Lynch left the show, essentially, because he was just disinterested in it and mm-hmm. like had a huge fight, I guess, with Mark Frost. I don't really know. Um, the show went completely off the rails for the second half of the second season with a bunch of bullshit that mostly does not matter. Well, I, I don't know if you even know how much of what happens in the second season is David Lynch and how much was the random bullshit before he came back. Um, like the Wyndham Earl stuff, was that David Lynch? I don't think it was. Because I hated that. I don't think it was. I uh, So from what I understand, David Lynch... You know, stayed on through showing the uh, Leland stuff mm-hmm. with them finding out, you know, solving Laura Palmer yeah. and then left. And then it was up to like the writers to try and continue the show. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like the same situation as like when Dan Harmon was fired from Community, where like you have someone who has like a vision mm-hmm. and then like, you have people like trying to continue that vision and like doing their best. Yeah. But they they're not that person. Like, it was definitely missing, like, that Lynchian weirdness. Yeah. And, and, like, heart, whatever that means. Like, it felt like it got weird just for weird's sake. Yeah. Instead of, like, having any sort of point. Well, they introduced this whole serial killer, like, you know, evil genius type person that's tied to Cooper. Like, evil foil for Dale Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's so out of the blue. It's forced. And it feels very forced. Yeah. It like Well, from the comes... second, even before that happens, those guys show up to take away his badge and gun because he was accused of not following proper procedure, doing yeah. something for the Laura Palmer thing. Yeah. And even when that happened, I was like, I'm not even upset by this because... <laughs> Like, it Seems feels like, like there's no stakes here. Right, like, yeah. Like, there's obviously... They're obviously trying to do something to create drama. Yeah. And, like, him losing his job at the FBI is nothing in comparison to everything that just happened before this. Oh, yeah. So even if he doesn't get his badge and gun back, which I knew that he would and was correct <laughs> in assuming... I still didn't even care about that at all. Like, essentially, they come in and they're like, you didn't follow protocol and we're going to take your badge and gun. And, like, I feel like what he should say is, like, I just found proof of the afterlife. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about my badge and gun. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so, like, the, uh, the, the Scream series of movies mm-hmm. is another example of, like, something that started off... Uh, Scream started off, like, as the answer to these bullshit horror movies and, like, completely dissected, like, slasher horror movies and made fun of it. Like, what was a satire. But then, by the time you get to, like, Scream 3, it's just that bullshit that it was originally making fun of. Yeah. And Twin Peaks starts off as, like, a satire of soap operas. Then it just turns into a fucking soap opera. Yeah. Like, 
That's literally what yeah. the second season is. Especially that whole awful part with James. James. Oh, my God. I James forgot all about this. rides off on his motorcycle for no real no reason. reason. No. Him and Donna aren't really even fighting because no. they're still together. He's just like, I gotta go. He's, he needs to go think and clear his head. I gotta head. go so think. So he my finds... 17. He shows up at... I don't like. Is it just this woman's house? He's no. He meets her at a or, bar. Oh, he meets her at a bar. So he's a baby, and he's at a bar. Yeah. He meets this fancy woman at this roadside bar for some reason. Yeah, it's like a roadhouse. She brings him back to fix her husband's car, and then he gets involved in this weird drama that still doesn't make any sense to me. And had, ends in a murder. And had no. It had nothing to do bearing with bearing or consequences anything. on literally anything. It did not even yeah. happen in Twin Peaks. And he comes back, like even after this, all this bullshit's over. He comes back, and nothing has changed about him. No, like it had no effect on even his character, much less anything else in the entire show. Yeah, nothing about that mattered at all. Yeah. It was literally, it, like, it just reeked of we got to give these characters something to do. Like Donna goes off to find him, and like. She she tracks him down and then yeah. and then they have like a picnic and then he's still like I gotta go. It's like you already left. Yeah. Like none of this matters. And oh then that's God. what we were saying before it was James just, rides such off. A, such a time waster. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So yeah, and then that led up to the the end of Twin Peaks. So the the, the most interesting thing that happens. At the end of Twin Peaks is the Black Lodge stuff. Yeah. Because the the we never talked about the midget backwards talking dancing mm. room, which is very iconic. Yeah. Probably the most iconic thing about Twin Peaks. Like the thing that people go to when they're like like doing a Twin Peaks reference yeah. is usually the red room with the chevron pattern floor and like backwards talking. Yeah. And a dwarf dancing. Yeah. Um Cooper has this dream in like the third episode. Which is a running theme throughout the show. He has these crazy dreams that are like giving him clues, helps him solve the murder of Laura Palmer. Like, and at first it seems like it's just this weird supernatural element that he's like getting these weird dreams. And then it's gradually revealed through the second season that there are these places, like, they've hinted that like the woods around Twin Peaks are like mm -hmm. mysterious and there's like an energy there. And then. It's essentially revealed that, like, there is a place called the Black Lodge and a White Lodge, which the White Lodge is good and the Black Lodge is evil. And and then there's this whole bullshit with Wyndham Earl where he yeah. kidnaps Heather Graham. Yeah. <laughs> who shows up. <laughs> baby Heather Graham. Who shows up in the show. We didn't talk about, like, all the famous people that were in. Yeah. Like, Billy Zane. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. But, uh... Window Merrill kidnaps Heather Graham, takes her into the Black Lodge. And th like, that's the best part of the whole end of the show, is when Cooper goes into the Black Lodge. Yeah. And, like, you realize it's a real place, and it's the place where his dream was, and it's fucking creepy as shit. That's the other thing about Twin Peaks. Like, it, it is scary sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's really it's scary. very scary. Like, not often, but there are times that genuinely make my skin crawl. Um, like, the killer Bob. Yeah. He's horrible. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read you a little bit of trivia. Okay. About Twin Peaks. Um, trivia about Bob? Yeah, the trivia about Bob is really funny. Um, yeah. uh, well, they never, again. you know, they never explain exactly who Bob is or where he comes from. He seems to just be the embodiment of evil. They do, but 
it's hard to catch. I was okay. reading it. I was reading about Twin Peaks while mm-hmm. we started watching it just to like refresh myself. Be like, is what I remember real? Mm-hmm. They they reveal it, but only once, and it is like cloaked in metaphors. But the one armed man, mm-hmm. um, uh, when he's like telling them about Bob, right before mm-hmm. they they find out that Bob is possessing Leland, and that's why mm-hmm. Laura Palmer got murdered. Um, essentially, the sto- the backstory is. Uh, the one-armed man and Bob were actual real people mm-hmm. and were serial killers. Um, they each had that tattoo, Firewalk With Me, on their arm. Mm-hmm. The one-armed man repented, didn't want to be evil anymore, mm-hmm. cut his arm off. Oh. So that's his whole, Where like, was I? I don't remember that. He's not. He doesn't say it like the way I'm saying it. He's like, <laughs> he's saying it in rhymes. Like, it's all... It's... Was that when he was going super nuts? Yes. Okay. Um... That, it reminded me of identity because oh, it was yeah. like he was slipping into a different personality he and he was like begging for drugs to that would make him not be doing that. Yeah, the drugs were like suppressing the yeah. spirit of the one-armed man that was yeah. was uh, 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 possessing him. Yeah. Um, so they were real people. And when, you know, and like Bob's dead, I guess. Or mm-hmm. I, th- I think what happened was Mike cut his arm off mm-hmm. uh, and then killed Bob. Okay. And so they're dead. But the spirits still exist in the mm-hmm. lodges. So Bob, the spirit of Bob, lives in the Black Lodge. So he is like the embodiment of evil. And Leland did know Bob the human yes. when he was younger. Yeah. So that was another weird connection. Yeah. Uh, and maybe why Bob chose Leland to possess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's that's what well, that's about. I feel dumb for not knowing that, but I don't remember. Don't feel that at all. <laughs> don't feel dumb for not knowing that because when I was reading it, I was like, oh, <laughs> like I kind of knew that, but I also mostly forgot. And it's also very heavily just coded in in metaphor and riddles. Um, excuse me. No. This is funny. The population of Twin Peaks was originally only supposed to be five thousand one hundred and twenty. There's a backlash against rural-themed shows at the time. Networks were fearful that the burgeoning urban and suburban population of America would not be able to sympathize with shows set in small <laughs> towns in an industrial setting, so they changed it to 51,201, which, like, seems, like, way too big of a town. Also, what is that, like, on a sign at some point? It says it on the sign, like, Welcome to Twin Peaks, population, 51,000. Like... But just watching the show. I, <laughs> like, you know it's not that big of a tell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that just seems arbitrary to change that number. Yeah. Like, someone would see that number and be like, oh, I can totally relate. Yeah. I'm from Manhattan. I know what it's like to be around 51,000. <laughs> That's an insane thing to do. <laughs> so here's the other weird thing about uh, Twin Peaks originally. So when they shot the pilot, which was like a two hour long like TV, like pilot, TV mm-hmm. movie type thing. Um it got picked up for, you know, an actual series order from CBS in America. But they shot an alternate ending so that they could shop it to Europe as, mm-hmm. like, a direct-to-video, like, TV movie. So the the European version of Twin Peaks is only two hours long. It's just the pilot with an alternate ending where they find the one-armed man and Bob in the hospital. And the one-armed man comes in and shoots Bob at the end. And then that's just the end. They're just like, who killed Laura Palmer? And then they find this guy at the hospital, and he's just like, this guy named Bob did it. I can take you to him right now. And then they go down to the boiler room, and that's where Bob is. And they used shots of that in Cooper's weird dream. Okay. Um, 
But so I just think it's hilarious that like we got this weird, crazy show in America and yeah. then like Europe got a got two hour a movie. movie that was completely different. That's crazy. Um, the character of the one-armed man was originally only supposed to appear in a walk-on role in the pilot as an homage to The Fugitive. Because in The Fugitive, a one-armed man kills his wife. Oh, um, I never saw that movie. Um, have you ever heard that that saying like, it wasn't me, it was the one-armed man? Oh, that's from The Fugitive. Um, I've heard like people doing Harrison Ford impressions and yeah. I didn't kill my wife. And, yeah, exactly. Um, David Lynch wrote the closed ending for the European version of the pilot. He decided to use the character to recite the infamous Fire Walk With Me poem. Uh, highly impressed by the performance of Al Strobel, who played the one-armed man, Lynch decided to make the character integral to the series mythology and give him a recurring role in the show. He was a good actor. He was great, yeah. Um, the, the same kind of thing with Maddie. Character mm-hmm. of Maddie um, was created by David Lynch because he was so impressed by Cheryl Lee that he wanted her to have a series full-time role, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And not just be a corpse. And not just be a corpse. Um, this is, I think I already told you about this, but there are plans to spin off Sherilyn Fenn's character, Audrey, into her, oh wait, I don't remember this, into her own series, but they didn't come off. Apparently Audrey inspired David Lynch for Noemi Watts' character in Mulholland Drive. So, <laughs> we're gonna make an Audrey Horn spin-off show. Oh my god. That would've been great. Um. Yeah, we barely talked about Audrey for as much as. I know. We like her. Yeah, the, I just remember like the the one of the first scenes where she said she's just like dancing <laughs> alone in like a room. Oh yeah. So well, strange. she. I mean, she intentionally goes and fucks up her father's business deal. Oh yeah. Out of clearly boredom. Out of boredom. What? And you know, before I knew that her father was a horrible scum person, I was like, "What's wrong with <laughs> you? Like, Why would you do that? That's just rude." <laughs> um. All right, all this, none of this is interesting. Oh, the series, this is a little interesting. The series was originally to be titled Northwest Passage, and the character of Josie Packard, uh, played by Joe Chen, was originally named Giovanna, Giovanna Joe Pasqualini Packard, oh, and was okay. intended to be played by Isabella Rossellini, uh. who was dating David Lynch at the time. <laughs> um, okay, where's the fucking part? That I'm looking for. Dr. Jacoby. Didn't oh, talk about yeah. him at all. Nope. He was uh, based on a, he was a real, real person. Um, all right, where's the part with Bob? Because I, I don't want to get this part wrong. Oh my god, there's so much trivia. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Should I fill for time? Yeah, fill for time. Um, I don't know what to say. What do you want from the new series? Oh. <sighs> I want them to address what happened at the end of the last episode in small glimpses throughout the series rather than just starting out the first episode, tacking it all on. Okay. I would like if they tried to do that as subtly as possible instead of trying to pick up like it was the next day when it's 25 years later when obviously no one would sit around and be like, hey, remember when that bank vault exploded? <laughs> like, if they did that all at the same time, it would be so unrealistic and ridiculous, but they need to do something. So I, I hope that they can do that in a subtle way that ties up some loose ends but doesn't dwell on it yeah. and gets a new story going pretty quickly and we didn't even talk about like the craziest thing that happens at the end which is cooper comes out of the black lodge and is possessed by bob yeah um and like it's dark it's just a dark ending like what the fuck 
Um, so the the going theory has always been that Cooper's trapped in the Black Lodge. Yeah, and that's his doppelganger. And his doppelganger is out. Yeah. Um, and the really crazy thing that was unintentional is while he's in the Black Lodge in the finale, he sees Laura Palmer again. And she says, I'll see you again in 25 years. Yeah. And they never intended to, like, wait 25 years and then do more Twin Peaks. Yeah. That's just how it happened. So, like, the, you know, everyone thinks that, like, oh, shit, that's, like, he's going to come out somehow mm-hmm. and have been in the Black Lodge for 25 years. Yeah. And, like, he'll be older and I don't know what the fuck is going to happen, but I think that's my that, assumption. Yeah. I think that would be a great explanation for it. Yeah. Um. I just don't know how I don't know how else they would do it. I don't either. Like everyone involved, and like, in the what has his possessed person been doing for the past twenty five years? Probably murdering people, right? Like, Seriously, like he has to. He hasn't been just no like idea. living a normal life. He's just being. You think people would notice pretty quickly that he's real fucked up and insane? Yeah, especially his BFF Harry Truman, who is not in the revival. That bums me out. It really bums me out, especially after watching it again and seeing like their dynamic. Yeah, it's real. It's it's, it's a real bummer. Yeah. But, I don't know. Um, the character of Bob came about when David Lynch, this is crazy, had a sudden image of a set director, Frank Silva, hidden in Laura Palmer's room. Lynch filmed the infamous shot of Silva hiding behind Laura's bed without any idea what he would use it for. Later, when filming a shot of Sarah Palmer sitting up and screaming, Lynch noticed that Silva's reflection was visible in the shot purely by accident. So there's a shot early on where, um, Laura, where Sarah Palmer is like freaking out, and you mm-hmm. see Bob reflected in like a mirror and it's an accident it was like a blocking error he was so that guy's not an actor no he's a fucking what did i say set director oh my god set decorator sorry yeah. not director set decorator so he looked like that he's wearing like his denim shirt yeah you know because he's just a weird long hair a guy working on set yeah. and david lynch saw him in like the footage yeah and everyone's like oh fuck we got to reshoot this and he was yeah. like nah well I'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll just make it, like, the main fucking We'll make thing. it the main plot. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's insane. Like, that's one of my favorite bits of trivia about the whole thing. Yeah. Is that just, like, oops, he wound up in the <laughs> shot. They were just like, no, he'll just be an evil spirit who inhabits Leland Palmer and makes him, like, rape and kill his daughter. <laughs> what was he going to do before that? I don't fucking know. <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. Uh, even though they knew from the beginning who it was. So, like, uh, they knew it was Leland from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if they had, maybe they just didn't plan to have that guy play Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Frost and David Lynch have stated that they had no intention to ever reveal who killed Laura Palmer. Um, when they told Ray Wise, who played Leland Palmer, that it was Leland, the actor got really sad because he was hoping it wouldn't be him. Oh. That's real, that's sad. <laughs> um. He was on Gilmore Girls. He was on Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. yeah. He dated Emily. Yeah. When her and Richard were separated. Audrey was on Gilmore Girls as two different characters. Yep. Shelly was on. Mm-hmm. Playing Sherry. Yeah. Christopher's girlfriend. <laughs> um, what's her face from Seinfeld? Oh, the Sue Ellen Mischke. Sue Ellen Mischke on Twin Peaks and Gilmore Girls. Yep. Oh, my God. I feel like there were more people. Molly Shannon was in, like, one scene of Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. It was, was really weird. weird. 
Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about the whole Lucy. Oh, Luke's sister. We already mentioned that. Luke's but... sister. There's a whole thing. In the, like, there's so much about season two that just doesn't fucking matter. Like, um, the, the whole Lucy pregnancy thing, like... The Lucy pregnancy thing didn't bother me at first, but... It went on too long. That, yeah, they dragged it on so long, and then there was that whole weird plot about... The kid, the kid possessed? The kid that... Well, Richard uh, Tremaine? <laughs> Tremaine? Yeah, Dick Tremaine. Dick Tremaine was... <laughs> Like big brothering this random child. Yeah. But apparently this child was evil and telekinetic. Yep. But that's about all that's they all address they it. Yeah. And then no more. And like they think he's like the devil and then and then like social services or whatever is like, no, he's not the devil. And they're yeah. just like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Like what was any of that? I don't know. Uh, that little Nikki. Little Nikki, oh my God! The the that made I remember no sense, and then they dropped it really quickly. I remember the pregnancy thing being really annoying because it's it takes the whole second season, like yeah. it's introduced in the very end of the first season, I think, and then like it literally took the entire second season for her to be like, "I'm not mad at Andy anymore." Yeah, and we're like, okay, like it's it's pretty old now. Yeah, although I do kind of love I Dick Tremaine. I mean, I wasn't super mad about it just because I love those characters. Yeah, I love Lucy and Andy. And I, yeah. Dick Tremaine, I mean, he's an asshole, but he's he an, is funny. He's entertaining. He's entertaining. He's such a piece of shit. The whole fashion show the fashion plot show was... I was no, just wait. thinking about... I didn't even mean to say that, but there was a fashion show. There was show. a fashion show. Um, The Miss oh, Twin Peaks. yes. Miss that Twin was Peaks fun. at the end, yeah. That was pretty great. Until it was horrible. Oh, God. There, you know, bad things happening. You, I remember with, like, you were really mad at how much Wyndham Earl laughed. Uh, because he was, like, a fucking cartoon character. <laughs> he was, like, the coyote in Looney Tunes. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. It was... He was, like, was like a, straight out of a cartoon. He didn't he really match was. anything else about the tone of the show. It, it, I hated it. He I hated everything about he it. He should have had, like, a huge, like, mustache to that twirl. he could twirl. Yeah. And, like, a top hat. And, like... Like, he might as well have, like, you know, he was, like, trying to kill one of those three girls. Yeah. He might as well just, like, put her on railroad tracks. Like, that's, yeah. the, that's the depth to which he was a villain. It was so awful. And, it like, so transparent, the stuff with, like, his wife that oh Cooper God. was in love with. Like, the second they even mentioned that, I was like, yeah, he killed his oh, own you, wife. Oh, you guessed it immediately. It was not subtle. <laughs> I mean, not I'm not subtle. the kind of person that figures everything out. You yeah. know, I don't figure out the plot of everything I ever watch, but that was not subtle at all. Oh, man. Like, yeah, he obviously killed. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't, oh, it's so mysterious. I don't yeah. know what happened. Like, Cooper, crazy. if I could figure this out, I think you could figure this out. Right. Uh, you're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think that we've probably said all we have to say mm-hmm. about Twin so Peaks the show. So now we're going to go get pie, right? Yeah, we should get pie. I love pie. We talked about doing yeah. this before. Okay, like let's go get pie. Yeah. Okay. Let's go get pie. We're gonna watch go get... the movie that I'm not excited to watch at all. Yeah. <laughs> we I just, know you're real excited to rewatch it. We just it. we have to. Like, I know. We have to. Um, so we're gonna go get pie. We're gonna watch Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and then we're going to come back and talk about it, which will be uh, right now because you're listening to this and there is no break. You're not just going to have, like, an hour and a half of dead air? Uh, no. Okay. I should have, like, an hour and a half of, like, just the sound of a waterfall. <laughs> because of the Great just Northern. Just loop the theme song over and over again. Loop <laughs> the theme song for an hour and a half. Yeah. That'd be really relaxing. That would... Uh, maybe if you hadn't watched the show. It is a great theme song. Yeah. But if I heard that for an hour and a half, I'd probably lose my mind. Yeah. 
Every time we, we're watching on Netflix and like every time we go to watch it, like, you know, the, they play the opening credits mm-hmm. and I skipped, I wanted to skip it almost every time. But yeah. then as soon as I heard the music, I'm like, nah. yeah, like, it's a great this. song. It's so good. The music is fucking good. Yeah. In the show. It's it, great. It, and I, I've told you this before, just in watching it, the whole show is so dreamy. Mm-hmm. Even like not even just the dream sequences, but everything it about it, a very including that song, it feels quality. like you're in another world. It, yeah, it does. Um, and I think that's a lot of the whole point Definitely. Of, of Twin Peaks and of the town and of the good versus evil weird battle that's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Is that this is not a normal rural town. There's some like it's anything crazy but. shit going on here and yeah. people are affected by it subliminally or directly. Yeah. And the music plays a huge part in that. Yeah. Watching it. It's super good. Um recommend you watch it oh even though we you just know what you know what I... <laughs> <laughs> you know what i want the new show to address yes what's with the owls oh right what's with the owls the, the owls, the owls are, not are not what they, they seem. seem then what the fuck are they <laughs> they never what are the owls i have a guess uh-huh but i i feel like my guess is fully inspired by x-files okay like i and i think i told you this before also just because they go into the, all this whole government stuff with Bobby's dad. Um, right. My guess about the owls, which I'm sure is wrong because I never guess things correctly, except Wendy Merle, um, is that they are like some kind of government spy type things that really have like, that. like spy cameras or something. And yeah. they're, like, they're fully aware of the evil in the woods and they are observing, you know... Like the government tends to do in X Files, well, yeah, letting it fuck with people and just like taking a step back and observing. So I feel like the owls are just like government spy government camera spies. owls. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's I, probably so stupid. I mean, no, I love that theory because there is a whole thing that they introduced about like the government. That was like one of the more interesting things that happened yeah. in the second season was that like the government uh, is like in Twin Peaks, kind mm. of, and like doing some weird supernatural shit that's like super classified uh, that they don't really fully explained but it's cool um my my guess with the owls is that they are connected to the black lodge Mm -hmm. because they do a lot of weird imagery i feel like they do a lot of weird imagery with that with the owls like there's some pretty bad special effects where they would like fly in and like you know like do do like a still frame or something they did one where they like superimpose bob's face on an owl oh yeah that was really bad. Super weird. Um, so, like, my guess would be that they're not owls, but, like, maybe they're spirits? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they're... Maybe... maybe Like, spirits from the Black Lodge. Maybe that, like, maybe that's how the Black Lodge or the White Lodge is, like, watching us. Is yeah. through the owls. Because they all, they're always mm-hmm. fucking talking about the fucking owls. Yeah. Always. They are always talking about the goddamn owls on that show. Yeah. God. I really hope there's there's an explanation for the owls. Or, it, like, if nothing, even if they don't explain it, like, I just hope they talk about the owls again. Yeah. Like, just constantly. To, yeah, to never mention it again just to keep it would going. be rough. <laughs> I hope that the new season has a ton of traffic lights mm-hmm. turning red. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of shots of, like, trees blowing in the wind and the waterfall. Just, like, all the things that they do to I, signal yeah. bad things happening. I was telling you that... I felt like 
they showed the waterfall so much that it made me think there must be like the climax of the show was going to be on this goddamn waterfall. <laughs> they show it so often. They show there's a couple of shots that they use over and over again. Traffic light turning it's red. It's like the office with the fax with the, with machine. With the fax machine, yeah. <laughs> the copy um, machine. The the papers. Um, yeah, there's the traffic light turning red. There's like the, the trees of the forest like mm-hmm. blowing really hard in the wind. Mm-hmm. And then like the close up of the waterfall. Yeah. Um, they go back to those so often and usually right before like some shit goes down. Yeah. So it's always like once you pick up on it, you kind of like can tell when like things are going to take a weird turn. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope they keep doing that. Just for, like, consistency. Yeah. Just to be like... I'm sure they will. I hope so. Yeah. I wish we could have a whole, like, separate podcast just talking about the similarities between Twin Peaks and Gilmore Girls. Oh, my God. Because I didn't notice the red traffic light thing until you pointed it out. Mm -hmm. And then immediately thought, that's a pretty big piece of symbolism that happens in an episode of Gilmore Gilmore Girls. Girls. Yeah, I remember that. And... There's probably so much stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of similarities, but that one I thought was interesting. That yeah. I it had to have been I you know, not like no one has ever thought about a red traffic light meeting something bad something, before, but, yeah. but the fact that there were so many other similarities between it just the shows, seems like I was too like, much that has to be, yeah. Like, the amount of similarities between those shows down to the fact that, like, some of the same fucking actors yeah. are on the shows, like... I, I had to look. I looked it up online to see if uh, Amy Sherman Palladino yeah. was a giant Twin Peaks fan, and I couldn't find her saying that anywhere. Yeah. But like, she has to be. Like, there's no fucking question. Yeah, it would be too coincidental. <laughs> It'd be way too coincidental. All right, I'll put in some music here from the show, and we'll let that take you into the next section. Yeah. two hours ago when we were happier? I miss those days. Seems like forever. It feels like at least four hours ago. <laughs> it's funny you say that, considering some of the notes and trivia I have about this movie. We, so, <laughs> we just watched Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Thoughts? <laughs> well, in the two minutes it's been since credits rolled... <laughs> I think I said I hated that about a dozen times. And that's not uh, that's not counting like the dozens of times you said it during the <laughs> yeah. movie. Oh my god, I don't even want to talk about it. Um it is a terrible movie. Like Pe- But okay. Yeah. But people like it. Uh, yeah, like, some I've people do. I've seen on Facebook recently yeah. some friends of ours going to see it cuz it's being like re-released in theaters yeah. right now. And I was just reading like on on Wikipedia just to, about some stuff and uh-huh. Like, uh, it was saying specifically that when it when it was released, 
first of all, when it premiered at Cannes, it was greeted with boos. <laughs> so that makes you feel any better. Uh, critical reception was horrible at yeah. the time. Um, one, one critic was cited as saying, it's not the worst movie ever made. It just seems to be. <laughs> um, but, but apparently it's been more well received in recent years, which I honestly can't figure out because. Yeah. I mean, well, critics hating something isn't always an indication of whether or not it's good. True. But in this case, I would just agree. I mean, like, it, I can't separate it from. Having seen the show, mm-hmm. I can't because I've seen the show. And I can't it's also erase it from my memory. About the so show, so I can't. I can't think about it without comparing it to the show. Yeah. But also, I feel like if you had only seen the movie and not the show, it would have made absolutely no fucking sense. Right, and it already made so little sense. <laughs> yeah, or I don't. I mean, it's you at one like. Probably 15, 20 minutes into the movie, which already mm. felt like an entire hour, you said something along least, the lines of... at least during that time, I got to see Baby Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And that made me happy. You said, like, you said, like, this is frustrating. I think you said this yeah. is frustrating. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, this isn't even the movie. <laughs> like, we haven't even gotten into the movie. This is just like the... It was like a cold like the open. Cold open. <laughs> um, oh... It just, I mean, it. so much of it was experimental, mm-hmm. and that is just not something I enjoy. I mean, watching. it was a, it was a, it's two hours and 14 minutes. It was oh, a two God. hour and 14 minute long experimental art movie yeah. that happened to be about Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Like, when I, okay, when I was... Like probably thirteen or so, mm-hmm. I watched Twin Peaks for the first time. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but it was yeah. it was a lot younger. And we watched Twin Peaks um, all the way through, and then I was I remember so vividly being excited that there was a movie because I watched the last episode mm-hmm. where all that shit goes down and it's a gigantic cliffhanger and several characters are left for dead and you don't know what the fuck is going on with Dale. And I was so excited that there was a movie. Yeah. And then I saw that fucking movie. <laughs> and I was so, like, I was so angry. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? What was any of that? I don't know why a prequel would serve that story at all. I've because re- they really I, just no. do retread the same territory that... They're just showing you Every, everything they've already told you. Yeah, everything that happens in the movie, of, you already know. Yeah, the impact of the drama of it is yeah. gone because you already know what's going to happen Yeah, in all of these situations. Every, like every single scene that popped up, it was just like, oh, here's the scene where she gives her diary to that weird shut-in. Yeah. Here's the scene where she um, tells James that she can't be with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's the scene where Bobby kills a guy. Yeah. Like... All of everything we knew yeah. and the stuff that we didn't know didn't made make no sense. fucking sense Where whatsoever. was that ring? Yeah. Why is the ring set? Why is there an angel? He like tossed that ring up into the boxcar. Yeah. So I guess the police and the FBI didn't happen to notice that. Seems like it would have Sitting been there important. on the floor of the boxcar. The ring with the symbol. Yeah. That they made a big deal about in the show. Yeah. 
Um, oh my god, I was really curious to watch this movie again. Yeah, because I had seen it seriously probably like twenty some like twenty years ago, and I'd only ever seen it once, and I hated it. And <laughs> did you feel justified? I was recently yeah, I was recently talking to to our friend Patrick because he just recently rewatched Twin Peaks also, and he was at he was about to watch Firewalk with me. And I was like, is it good? Like, I remember, because me and Patrick watched it together for the mm-hmm. first time forever ago. Yeah. So I was like, I remember watching it with you, and we hated it. But, like, I'm really, really curious to know, like, if I watched it now with, like, some time between mm-hmm. those two, you know, and, like, already knowing what to expect, if it would be better. Because David Lynch is an interesting filmmaker. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not for everyone, but, like, he's doing some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, some people are super into. And I, I remember even saying to Patrick, like, even if it's, like, fucking weird, like, it makes me happy at least, like, that uh, he's trying some weird shit. And, yeah. you know, it's not just, like, the same mediocre crap out there. But I was just like, I, so I wonder if this movie is good. And then Patrick texted me. He's like, it's not. <laughs> like, you remember correctly. It's not. Yeah. And, the, and, so, and then we just watched it. And I am 100% confirmed yeah i think it's a terrible movie it it had (laughs) none of the humor that the show had at any point none it there was just no humor zero long stretches where no one's talking i don't know just these long slow scenes and it just takes away the impact of when that stuff would show up on the show yeah and it would be like, ooh, something really important is going to happen. But when it's two hours of that's the only thing that's happening, all I can think is, well, none of this seems very important. And, yeah, there's no, like, brevity. There's no break yeah. from it. It's just like, yeah. It just, what are... I think I said, this feels like torture after a while. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just tired of looking at Laura's face while she is crying <laughs> and shaking and, and screaming. Her, her, like silently screaming or verbally screaming. Like making her eyes as wide as possible. Yeah. Like the it, the movie was essentially like take every part of the show that was like really dark, like mm-hmm. super duper dark and yeah. and traumatic and dramatic and let's make an entire 2 hour long movie of that. Yeah. With no no humor, no lightness whatsoever, no like no quirkiness. Which but, I thought was the whole fucking point of like, Twin Peaks. Like, the first scene had David Lynch's, you know, silly character. Oh, yeah. Can't hear and talks too loud. That was... <laughs> I guess, yeah. I didn't, it wasn't particularly I, funny, but it seemed like it was supposed to be. I honestly forgot he but was then even, they like, don't, any of that happened. Yeah. But, they don't even try again. By the time you get to the end of the movie, you forget that the entire, like, first act of the movie is a different movie. Yeah. But they don't even go back to it. No. It's it's not... I really don't think it's a well-made movie. I don't think so either. I think it's a very badly it's, made movie. Like, it's no offense. It's terribly. It's kind of shot terribly. Yeah. The audio at times was ho- really bad. Yeah. Like, that first opening shot of David Lynch, you said, like, this feels like a bad, like... It looked uh, like they were using the cameras we used in high school. Yeah. Like, it, it was, was... like, fuzzy... It would, like, switch back and forth between looking, like, incredibly low budget and just, like, mediocrely low budget. Yeah. Um, It was... And, and, like, storytelling-wise, if they were going to go, you know, 
they're setting up having this the investigation into Teresa Banks. Yeah. To introduce us back to the Twin Peaks characters, we need to go back and forth a little bit. They seriously just jump from one plot to the other and then keep going with that uh, with the Twin Peaks stuff, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Like nothing that happened in the beginning of the movie had anything to do with the end of the movie. No. It's, the characters showed up and then completely disappeared. And it it really like it's extra confusing. So here I'll I'll give you a little insight into like what was happening with the movie. So originally, um, Kyle MacLachlan refused to be in the movie because he didn't want okay. to be typecast, which is <laughs> which I think is like a weird reason. Yeah. Um, but he refused to be in the movie, which is well, what resulted... his character didn't act anything like his character on the show. So. No. Succeeded there, I guess. And that's why Chris Isaacs... Isaacs or Isaac? It's Isaacs, right? I don't think it's plural. I don't know. Look it up. Um, but that's why he's in the movie. That was supposed to be fucking Dale Cooper, which would make sense because in the show, Dale Cooper talks about having investigated Teresa Banks's murder and knows all about the little T under her fingernail. Yeah. But none of that happened with his character. And I was wondering this... I couldn't remember. So they they said at one point that Chris Isaac's character disappears. Yes. And then I guess Kiefer Sutherland's character just goes home. Yeah. But like on the show, did Cooper mention anything? Like no. I took over the investigation because the other FBI agent fucking disappeared. No. On the show, he says I investigated Teresa Banks's murder. Yeah. It's the same bullshit. It seems like as... it would be a pretty big deal if an <sighs> FBI agent vanished. Yes. I agree. And it's the same bullshit as, like, the Star Wars prequels, where Obi-Wan Kenobi originally said, I was trained by Yoda. And then, all of a sudden, he's being trained by Liam Neeson that you've yeah. never heard about before. And you're like, that seems to negate what came before it. Yeah. Like, a lot, not a lot, but several of the things in this movie, um, like, I'm bummed about now, because it's canonical, I guess. Like, negate shit that happens in the show. Yeah. Like, you were saying how Leland acts the entire movie. Yeah. He's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. And it was like, how did it take them that long to catch him as the killer when he was clearly being a fucking psychopath Yeah. before she died? Also, everyone was surprised that Laura Palmer shows up dead. And, and then they're like, oh, she was leading this weird double life. Everyone seems to know about her double life. And that she's acting like a fucking crazy person to yeah. everybody. Like, it's a badly made movie. Yeah. I think some of that maybe made a little bit of sense just because some, you know, everyone knew, like, a different aspect of yeah. her weird double life, but nobody knew the whole the picture. Whole right. So they might have thought, like, ooh, I know that she's a hooker. But right. no, no one else knows anything about her. And Bobby's like, I know she does cocaine and watch me murder someone. But <laughs> no one else knows that. And I don't know that she's a hooker. So everyone has these little glimpses. And James is like, and then, I, I, I know you love me. <laughs> I know you love me. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> James. James. Um, but, you know, at her funeral on the show, Bobby does go off and yell at everyone. Yeah. And says, you all killed her. That's true. So I think there, all right. there is some, whatever, I'm tired now. I'm, I mean... That movie broke my brain. And it's just, I just don't get why they made that movie. 
It's just unnecessary. Like, we yeah. already know all of this. It really was not very interesting. Like, it really seemed like David Lynch... I mean, I, I was reading... He, you know, said that he wanted to make it because, you know... Um, they spent so much time talking about Laura Palmer on the show, and you never got to see her live. So he really wanted to show that. And I'm just thinking, like, why, though? Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the least... In- it turns out to be the least interesting part of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It was such an interesting piece of storytelling to watch the show and never see her live, but hear other people's accounts of who she was and what she did and piece it all together from there. The same way the characters on the show are piecing her all together from memories of her. That was really cool and interesting. Yeah, and made her into a much more interesting character. Yeah. Um, This was funny. I was looking up just like some of the reviews at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, In his review for Variety Magazine, Todd McCarthy said, Laura Palmer, after all the talk, is not a very interesting or compelling character and long before the climax has become a tiresome teenager. (laughs) Which is incredibly accurate. Uh, USA Today gave the film one and a half stars out of four, calling it a morbidly joyless affair. (laughs) It was joyless. It was completely it was completely joyless. joyless. Rolling Stone said through the movie's ups, uh, though the movie ups the TV anti on nudity, language, and violence, Lynch's <laughs> control falters. But if inspiration is lacking, talent is not. Count Lynch down but never out, which I kind of disagree with. Like, I was reading a lot about how great Cher- uh, uh, Cheryl Lee's yeah. performance in this movie was. I wasn't a fan of it. I mean... At all. She just was I... screaming... Yeah. A lot. It wasn't, you know, exactly nuanced or anything. It, yeah. Pretty much everyone in this movie, you could see them acting. Yeah. Like Leland. I, I don't really think anyone was doing a very good job. The uh, You said at one point the only character who seems consistent is Bobby. Yeah. He was the only one who was acting like his character yeah. on the show. He stepped right back into that role. Yeah. And it was like... Everyone else you saw for like one second... Or yeah, like even you saw Norma for Norm. Yeah, Norma and Shelley were. You see her for, in like a wide shot. Yeah, like you can barely barely see her. But then there's that one scene where Shelley, like it's Shelley and Leo at home or whatever. And I don't know, just whatever she was, was like scrubbing the floor. The way she was acting, and then she like mouths these like has a close up where she's mouthing oh, she's like to herself what yeah. Leo's saying on the phone. I was just thinking this looks like somebody acting in a play. Yeah. It, yeah, it was not good. Everything was, I don't know, for, like, as little dialogue as there was at times. It was, like, when people did speak. It felt so soap opera-y, like you were saying before. Yeah. It felt so over the top. It was long. It was long. So many scenes. I feel like this is a David Lynch thing. So many yeah. scenes went on for so long with seemingly no point. And... When they did that on the show, it was really effective because yeah. it's juxtaposed with normally paced things. Yes. So when you see a scene in the Black Lodge or in someone's dream version of it that's really, really long takes, and it's the same weird thing happening for a long time, it's very interesting and it's different. Yeah. But when it's all you're seeing, it feels like the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Even throughout different scenes. Um, like, you, so much close-up on just her, just face, her face having an over-the-top reaction to something 
that I'm like, oh my God, cut away, cut to the next thing. I get it. She's crying again. There's that scene where she and Bobby are in the woods and they're just like laughing. She's just laughing maniacally for what felt like 10 straight minutes. Just kept cutting to like a shot of like their flashlight on the trees. She's on cocaine. Which, by the we way, I do not think this movie understands how cocaine works. <laughs> yeah. I've never done cocaine. Just like three lines sure of I'd... cocaine and then goes to sleep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I it won't think... put you to sleep. Yeah. Every time she took cocaine, she looked like she was, uh, like, on morphine. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you know what this drug does. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be able to sleep for a couple days, the amount of cocaine she kept taking right before bed. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Um, okay. Uh, according to the writer, Robert Ingalls, he and director David... This is great. He mm-hmm. and director David Lynch originally conceived this film as the first in a series of films exploring oh. the mythology of the Black Lodge. To that effect, the two inserted four characters as outs uh, with which to continue the story. Agent Dale Cooper, Agent Philip Jeffries, played by David Bowie. What would you think of that scene? Um, incredibly confusing. Yeah. And... That was like the main thing. But confusing. I, I, That's I, all I got. Because I, I could barely understand anything he said. Mm-hmm. I had no idea why he disappeared. And then they never spoke of it again. Four <sighs> years, I referred to this movie as the movie with uh, David Bowie and a monkey. <laughs> because it makes, because like that was the part that stuck out, stuck out to me the most. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck was, what the fuck was you that? You see that monkey more than you see David Bowie. Yeah. And I also don't know why the monkey was there. Um, so, yeah, Dale Cooper, Agent Philip Jeffries, uh, Major Garland Briggs, who was not in the movie, um, oh, yeah. Bobby's dad, and uh, Agent Chester Desmond, Chris Isaac. <laughs> Isaac one, one, n- n- one, not plural. Oh, yeah. Not plural, Isaac Isaacs. one. Isaac one. Um, the critical, Isaac singular. <laughs> the critical and box office failure of this film, however, caused Lynch to abandon any plans for sequels. Um, this is really awesome. So in most versions of the film, uh, in most versions, the film contains sequences that are subtitled, like that really, really long scene yeah. at a uh, brothel nightclub, whatever it was, where everyone was like topless. Yeah. Um, and the word Donna got roofied. Um, but not in the British version. <laughs> Apparently, director David Lynch changed his mind so often as to whether they should be included or not, the subtitles. By the time he came to a final decision, the British distributors had already made all their prints and could not afford to make any more. <laughs> so can you imagine seeing this movie in England oh with no subtitles during that scene and just being like, what, like, already what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> but see, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> that was like a solid 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Where you would not be able to hear any of the dialogue. <laughs> um... The numerous prominent actors in the film, Kiefer Sutherland, David Bowie, Harry Dean Stanton, Jürgen Prochnow, who I don't remember him that? in this movie. He's a, um, I want to say he's a Norwegian actor. He was in Das Boot, which I've never seen. I just know he's in it. Mm-hmm. But he's a, you know, f- a famous, like, foreign actor. And that, like, now I'm thinking, I super cannot remember him in this movie. Um, maybe he was cut out. They took small parts for almost no money because they were fans of David Lynch's work. <laughs> Poor guys. Um, yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle's not... Laura Flynn Boyle, Sherilyn Finn, and Kyle McLaughlin declined to participate. McLaughlin finally was in it, though, but in a much smaller role. He didn't look happy to be there. He really didn't. Like, they should have just... And if it's a prequel, yeah. he shouldn't fucking be in it yeah. at all. Unless he's in the Teresa Banks section, which he was in, but it did Barely. not make sense. And, like, yeah. there's a scene where he's psychically talking about Laura Palmer. Yeah. And he does... Like, 
he's already on the edge of doing stuff like that on the show. Yeah. And it already made so little sense with his Tibet stuff and his throwing the balls. Yeah. Like, that stuff already made so little sense. And, like, his dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. But to, like, seriously, straight up, like, have premonition describing Laura. Yeah. And he doesn't ever mention that on the show. Nope. Like... Oh, yeah, I totally saw oh, this, I called in, this in my mind. <laughs> um, Robert Ingalls, the writer, claims a script mm. that he and David Lynch wrote is much longer than the version oh, that he filmed. God. He claimed that there is enough story for a sequel. This is great. Indeed, as with many other Lynch films, about five hours of footage was shot. Can you imagine a five-hour-long version of this movie? Oh, my God. Um, Many of the scenes that ended up on the cutting room floor involved characters who also appeared in Twin Peaks, but not the movie. These scenes include Sheriff Harry Truman singing to Josie Packard, Johnny Horn's birthday party, Bobby Briggs' parents reading from the Bible, Doc Hayward performing magic tricks, and a fight scene between uh, FBI agent Chester Desmond uh, and the sheriff that was being a dick to him. Like, can you imagine how, like, disappointing that movie already is, but how much more disappointing it would be if you saw, like, all these characters you, like, pop up to do, like, this bullshit? Oh, my God. And they filmed all of it. All that shit. Um, uh, Richard Bamer, who played Ben Horn, Mm -hmm. declined to participate due to a scene where Ben was to force Laura to kiss him in exchange for a bag of cocaine. He felt that there had been no buildup for the character of Horn, who confesses his love for Laura in the show, mm-hmm. to extort Laura, and that as a result, a scene, uh, the scene came off as exploitative. <laughs> um, uh, the, and then, okay, and then this is some crazy shit, so this gets into, like, spoiler territory, but who, like, we've already spoiled the entire, yeah. everything. Um, a pivotal scene that was deleted from the final film revealed the fate of Annie Blackburn, Heather Graham. Oh. This is interesting. After the ending of the last episode, uh, after escaping the Black Lodge, Annie was taken to the hospital where it was discovered that she was wearing the owl ring that belonged to Teresa Banks and Laura Palmer. That fucking ring that's in the movie. It's that an was owl? Never in the show. I, what is... I, owl ring. Yeah, it was the little symbol yeah. in the cave. Is it supposed to look like an owl? I don't know. I guess? I don't know. Wearing the ring. A nurse, <laughs> a nurse then took the ring and started laughing maniacally. That's what happened in that scene. That oh, was cut. that was the fate of Annie. Yeah, I don't know what that fucking means. Um, the movie originally, the movie originally ended showing Dale sitting in the Black Lodge comforting Laura after she entered. It then cut to the last scene of the TV series with Harry breaking down the door of the bathroom and finding Dale smashing his head into the mirror and laughing. Dale tries to act like nothing happened, but is dragged off to bed. This was to confirm that it was Dale's doppelganger that es- escaped the Black Lodge. So, I guess not really anything new. Like, not really adding any substance, yeah. but still, like, showing... It still would have tied it into the TV series. Yeah. Um, I just think they should have tied it back into the beginning of the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That would have been cool. Like, where where did Chris Isaac go? Why did he disappear? After no finding the ring? What, what, like, what was the ring? I, I'm sure someone listening to this who likes this movie can, uh, yeah. is probably like, um... <laughs> But uh, fuck this movie. And then the last one, another deleted scene, which takes place after Laura's death, extended the dialogue between Cooper and the man from another place, the dwarf. Uh, Just after the dwarf says, I am the arm, Cooper notices that the ring has disappeared. He then informs Cooper that someone else has taken the ring and implies that Cooper is trapped in the lodge forever. So I guess 
the movie originally was supposed to really tie up the show. Yeah. As like being done. But then they cut that shit out for, I don't know, time. <laughs> um, so I was reading, uh, when we started watching the show again, I was just like reading some shit about the movie because mm-hmm. I was, once again, I was wondering like, is it a good movie? Mm-hmm. So it's just like trying to find anything positive written about it. Yeah. And the only thing that I found that was interesting as like a positive response to this movie, which I wasn't finding on like Wikipedia or anything, but I, I found some article that I was reading that was saying that the movie um, is, like, important or, or, like, shows accurately the, um, like, mental, like, torture and, like, st- like post-traumatic stress disorder type shit of victims of incest. So, like, that was the only interesting takeaway that I can come away from this movie. Um, just say that, like, it's... It, it it's showing, like, the effects of that on somebody, and it's saying that, like, victims of incest have seen this movie and were, like, affected by it, mm-hmm. like, in a, like, I guess in a positive way, to be like, this is showing what it's really like type situation. So... Great. So, like, great, but also, like, I didn't think that's what Twin Peaks was about. <laughs> like, I didn't need to see that happening. That's all I got. I have no thoughts. No thoughts. I so, mean, that was it was incredibly traumatic. I was, can't imagine being a victim of incest and watching that. It no. was already incredibly traumatic to watch. Like I've heard people, uh, you know, I've heard that people who have had like severe drug addiction seeing mm-hmm. the movie Requiem for a Dream have yeah. said that that's the most accurate portrayal. I, I used mm-hmm. to work with a guy. Um, who was like the manager when I worked at Caribou, mm-hmm. who had gone through like the exact same situation the mom in that movie goes through. Mm-hmm. He'd been really overweight and went to a crooked doctor who yeah. prescribed him speed. Yeah. And he got hooked on speed and then had to like come off of it. Mm. And he was saying that like the way they show uh, the mom in that movie dealing with like being addicted to speed was like horrifically accurate. And he yeah. was like, it was really hard to watch that movie yeah. because of how right they got it. Yeah. So like, it's in that's interesting. I don't know if it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but that's why I can't watch that Maria Bamford show. Oh, because she just like the way she deals with like vis- anxiety visually, like so accurately shows what it's like to deal with anxiety, and it yeah. just feels like watching the inside of my head. And <laughs> it's not enjoyable for me. <laughs> I know. You... Well, like I'm glad that it's done really well. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's such, like, a good piece of art. Yeah. You know, but, like, I don't, I can't watch it. Yeah. Can, uh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to get out of this crazy head. <laughs> Thanks, Maria Bamford. Thanks, Maria. Okay, so that was our thoughts on Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. I don't really have anything else to say other than I really hated it. Yeah. I think it's a really bad movie. If you're listening to this and you <laughs> like it, I want to know why. Like, yeah. I really do want to know why and, like, what what positive stuff you take away from it. Like, what you enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. Not in a judgy way. No, not in a judgy way. I, like, I'm I genuinely... would definitely like to hear other people's thoughts because I know the, like, experimental filmmaking is just not for me in general. Yeah. So when those parts happen on the show... I think that they're done so well that, and for such a short period of yeah. time that I'm really okay with it's it. Like it's a half hour long but, show. They gotta. 
and the, yeah, and like those scenes will be like you know probably five minutes max. Yeah. Um, but watching a whole movie of it is just certainly not for me. Oh, I remember but other people probably really enjoy that stuff. Do you remember the scene on the show where Cooper was shot and he was mm-hmm. lying there and that old? Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, like. I- Hated I feel that. like that was the closest the show ever got to how the movie is. Oh my god! And I, I did enjoy that, but it was also like funny. It was also being played for like it was laughs. funny for a minute, yeah, and then it wouldn't fucking stop. And I was just like, why does that guy even work there? <laughs> he really didn't stop. The old guy. Why would he? Why? Well, Why and was like, that a, I don't know. I, I think I had blocked it out of my memory. In retrospect, like I wonder. Oh wait, no, he did work there because uh, he was uh, like bringing uh, him milk or something. Miguel Ferrer's character referenced him. Oh He's like yeah. the, the world's oldest uh, yeah. room service attendant. But then that old guy showed up. I think in like towards the end in one of the dreams too, and he yeah. was like he was like a proxy for the giant. I think. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't um, know. I hated that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, a podcast at thisis65.com. Please shoot us an email um, if you have thoughts on Firewalk with me. We'll talk about it, um, mm. you know, on our next episode or, or whatever. If you if you have something to say, we would love to hear it. Yes. Um, if you agreed with us and you hated it, that's okay, too. You can tell us. Yeah. <laughs> help um, us feel justified. Help us feel vindicated. I, yeah, I, like uh, our friend Jimmy, uh, mm. Jimmy Reed really... I don't know if he really likes it, but I was talking to him about it recently because he was oh, yeah. he went to go see it at the Alamo Draft Toss, and um, he hadn't seen it yet, but he was going to, and I was and I asked him the same question, I'm like, "Is it good?" Mm-hmm. And I I feel like I recall him saying like like it's not for everyone. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to hear what he thinks about it. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. been our special episode about Twin Peaks. Uh, overall, like the series. Yes. Hate the movie. Yes. Okay. Looking forward to the new series. Definitely looking forward to the new series. We'll, we should do a follow-up episode yeah. after the new series has ended. Yeah. Or not ended, but I don't know. Season of it. When, when, yeah, when a season do. of it's done, maybe they'll make more. Who fucking knows at this point? Yeah. So we'll see you uh, We'll see you next time for whatever movie we end up doing. I'll probably put a <laughs> I'll put an, uh, thing at the end of this telling you because yeah. we're, we're recording all of this out of order. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we'll definitely see you later when we talk about Twin Peaks more. Yeah. Bye. Bye.